Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. Our teaching this morning will primarily come from uh, this place. We're going to talk this morning about growing up God's way. Whoop, way ahead. Let's try this again. There we go. Ah, there we go. We're talk about growing up God's way, four ways to measure growth for young people. Um, as you know, I'm a school teacher, so I'm in the belly of the beast as far as young people and uh, being part of their lives. Uh, my job is never boring. Uh, there's always something new every day, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but mostly good. Mostly good, as you see, especially students I've worked with uh, since they were freshmen, get ready to graduate. That's a joy. It's kind of like my own children <laughs> leaving the nest when they graduate. And, but you learn a lot just by observation. I've learned a lot from raising my own children. I've learned a lot just as you have from simply being a child and going through stages of life. There's things at times we wish were different or we experienced in a different way or maybe things we wish our parents had taught us or or decisions we ourselves had made. We wish they were different, and there's other things that we wish we, uh, or we're glad that we did, and we wish we had not done any different. And we simply live our adult lives, uh, a lot of times, in reflection of things we experienced growing up. I want to this morning, uh, this, first I'll preach to a uh, Audrey and Oliver again. I, I tease them about this. Um, we did some lessons a few weeks ago about uh, growing strong in the seasons of life and talking about different age groups so they get some more teaching for themselves. But all of us, if you're engaged with young people, um, either as your neighborhood kids or grandkids, or you have young people that you engage with here at church, which you should be doing, uh, you're going to be in a position to shape the lives of younger people. And there is no greater privilege and honor than to be able to do so. So as we talk about four ways to measure growth, you could have a part in that growth. Again, don't be one of these older folks that's one, that says, get off my lawn. I said that a couple of weeks ago. Don't ever be that kind of older person. Be the person that says, hey, come on to my lawn. It's beautiful. I want you to enjoy it with me. This is a great place for you to play. Uh, and you'll be a blessing. We're going to talk about measuring the growth of young people through measuring the growth of Jesus and looking at what we do know about his early life and what's said about it by Luke, who was inspired of God to give us a picture of Jesus' life. There's always been great interest in the early life of Jesus. If you looked on Amazon or you looked in any kind of bookstore, you'll see a lot of books on the early life of Jesus, though we're told very little about his early life. There are movies that speculate on what he was life, uh, like as a teenager, and uh, everybody wants to know what it was uh, like for him growing up as a young boy. Was he just like us, and what things was he tempted by, what things might he done wrong, and things like that. Uh, so there, there's endless speculation about Jesus' early life. But we're not going to look at any of that. A lot of that's pure entertainment or trying to have a kind of like a tabloid view of Jesus. We don't ever want that. We want a biblical view that's shaped. Uh, here's what we do know about the early life of Jesus. First of all, we know he grew up in Nazareth. But that's like saying he grew up in Gilroy. 
He did not grow up in New York City. He did not grow up in any city like Los Angeles or San Francisco. He grew up in a no-name city. In fact, in John's Gospel, John chapter 1, verse 46, Nathaniel, the other Nathaniel, um, who went on to be an apostle, uh, when he first heard about Jesus being from Nazareth, he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was simply a place of no reputation. So Jesus comes from that place as far as where he grew up from. Uh, we know little about his life from birth to age 12. We know a fair amount about his birth, very important as far as what Scripture says about it and the significance of him being born of a virgin and his coming into this world. So a lot of attention in Matthew, Mark, and Luke to the birth of Christ. Uh, very important attention given to around age one when he went into the temple and he went through the different rites as Mary and Joseph put him through those rites as demanded by the law. But then we find this reference that we'll see in just a moment in Luke 2 to the fact that he was at age 12 when he himself decided to stay back at the temple. And we're going to look at this text to see how he was operating at age 12 right before he goes into his teenage years. We know from Luke chapter 3, verse 23, if you're looking at the text, uh, it says, Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. So we're going to have this gap where we don't know a whole lot from, if anything, from age 12 to age 30. We don't know hardly anything from age 12 to 30 except what one verse tells us. And that's Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that we're going to focus on today. Nothing known about his life from age 12 to 30 except what we learn in Luke 2.42 and 2.52. But we're told a lot, and we're told about how Jesus grew in four areas. Let's just go ahead and read the text. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 39 through verse 52. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can just kind of listen along through the text. If you have your Bible on phone, go ahead and uh, Tap into that and find it. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and just follow along here and look what we're told about Jesus at age 12 and what he does. And then we'll look at what it says in verse 52. Verse 39 beginning, Luke chapter 2. It says, When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew. Just pause here. This is Jesus about age one. And the child grew, Luke tells us, and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Verse 41 now. We fast forward to about age 12. It says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. Asked for, uh, I'm sorry, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they had traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Verse 45, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, 
They found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Verse 49, Why were you searching for me? He asked. Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house or about my father's business? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Verse 51 and 52. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. As Jesus grew up, he increased in wisdom, in favor with God, and people. All right, we're going to look at Jesus' growth from about age 12 to verse 29. But you might say, well, I didn't see it. Yeah, if you... If you uh, this blinked almost, you missed it, but Luke just told us all about his growth in verse 40 and in verse 52. Let's look at this growth as we can look at four areas of Jesus' early life that Luke tells us about. First of all, his physical growth. Luke tells us about Jesus' physical growth. Look back at verse 40. It says, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Then in verse 52, repeats that same idea that Jesus grew. And Jesus grew up, and he increased in wisdom and in favor with God and with people. Don't underestimate the importance of Luke just saying, and he grew, or that he grew strong. What he's telling us fundamentally is Jesus is growing up as a normal boy would be, but again, he is no normal boy. John tells us God became flesh and that's who Jesus is. God became, becoming a human being in form. Here the creator of the world, Jesus himself, is subjecting himself to human form and growing up just like any young boy would grow up. Here the one who made the world and made the human bodies, as Paul teaches in Colossians, is subjecting himself to our limitations. Having to simply grow up as a young boy having to do what his parents tell him to do, even though he is the ruler of the world. I think that's why it's important that he says Jesus was obedient to his parents. If there's anyone that had an excuse not to be, it's Jesus, but he still does. He allows his body to be limited, though he created a universe. He allows himself to go through the struggles of having to be taken care of when he was young, when really he's the one that is taking care of everyone else, is God. He goes through the emotions, the challenges of simply growing up as a young person. He accepts his identity, accepts his place in life. And that's a challenge of younger people. They want to be treated as adults. <laughs> they want adult decision-making capability, but yet they simply don't have that. My students ask me all the time, why can't we vote, Mr. Mulligan? Now, they know they're limited. They're not 18 yet. There's some that don't want to wait until they get their driver's license to drive. And I find out they're driving their cars with their parents' permission, even so. 
I tell them, wait till I'm off the road before you do that again. But just it's an unnerving desire to do something older that younger people have. Jesus is growing up here, but he accepts the place that he's simply going to be under his parents' leadership at this point in life. That's not going to be forever, but that's where it is now. And kind of to all younger people, to all teens, if Jesus can do it, you can do it. That's the point. And that's the point of character, doing things that you don't think you have to do, but you do it anyway because that's what you're supposed to do. That's a measure of maturity. That's a measure of growing up. Putting your physical body where it needs to be because that's simply your point in life, doing what you're told to do. But he physically grows up as a son of God. We find later that he learned the trade of his father. At one point in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 35, as Jesus is being criticized, um, they say, is not this the carpenter's son? But elsewhere in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, they say, is this not the carpenter? Jesus had clearly learned the trade of his father. As he was growing up, he wasn't just sitting there playing video games, he wasn't watching TV, he wasn't on his phone. I, again, I know they didn't have phones. But he said, hey, my father's doing something very important, taking care of the family. I can learn from this. And I need to learn a trade. And he learned what his father did. Again, he's the one that created the world, but he's allowing himself to learn from his father. A very important trade of building things. He's simply working with where he's at in life. Understanding, I can learn how to do this, at this young point in life, and I'll learn it. He wasn't as accomplished as Joseph, but he could learn how to do it and learn the basics. And some of the best trades people today learned up for, uh, from their parents how to do basic things, and now they're skilled at it and make a lot of money. There's value in simply allowing yourself to grow up physically, to do the things everyone else does at your age. He accepted his identity at age 40. Uh, I'm sorry, in verse 43, it says, The boy Jesus... He understood that the body that he was given was his body. That there was no mistake made. He was comfortable with who he was. And he simply lived out who he was in his life. And we go through a time now of great frustration with young people not being comfortable with who they are. And they, they want to change their identity. And they want to be something different. Which is an excruciatingly hard thing to do emotionally. You can't do it physically except surgery, and even then, you're not quite sure. And that's the challenge of our culture. But here, Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, he's going to be a boy, and he's going to grow up and live as a boy. That doesn't mean follow all the stereotypical things of his culture, but he simply lived within the identity that he was given. Accepting who you are physically is a big thing. Everyone's going to look different. And trying to look like someone else as a teenager or, or be somewhere else or be someone else is not really your challenge. Just be happy with who you are. And accept the fact that, hey, no one looks like me. That's a great thing. No one looks exactly like me. And accept that instead of see that as a problem. Accept that as a great honor. Jesus grew up. It says he grew and became strong, verse 40. And again, verse 40, 52 says he grew up. That's physical growth. Number two, we see mental growth. Look to Luke 2.52 again. And this is all we know about Jesus from age 12 to 29, verse 52. 
And as Jesus grew up, there's the physical growth, he increased in what? He increased in wisdom. There's his mental growth. Well, consider this scene we just looked at. Jesus at the temple. Here he is, age 12. Parents take him there uh, to go to the festival. They think he's traveling with friends and relatives back, and they lose track of Jesus. Now imagine that as a mother. You lost Jesus. But they've lost the Son of God. Uh, they hightail it back to Jerusalem. And how many days does it take to find Jesus? Three days. Apparently the last place they thought to look was right where he was, which is the temple. It says in verse 46, after three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who understood him was amazed at his understanding and his answers, except mom and dad, especially mom. And Christian, you'll relate to this, verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Years ago, my youngest daughter, Kendra, was in Target with me in the store. And her mother, uh, I'd lost track. And she went under one of the big round garment racks. And I just lost track of where she was for 15 seconds. And I remember that feeling like it happened yesterday until I saw her all of a sudden emerge <laughs> unharmed where I thought she'd been kidnapped. I was ready to have the store manager called and everything because that's your job as a parent. You hang on to your kids. And here for three days, they didn't know where he was. But when they found him, they couldn't appreciate where he was. But yet Luke still tells us, think about where he was and what he was doing at age 12. It says, after three days, verse 46, I found him in the temple courts sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. And then the response of everyone was that they were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Look at what we're told here in these few verses by Luke. First of all, we're told that he knew Scripture. It says they were amazed at his understanding. Uh, scripture doesn't say that Jesus was naturally injected with a bunch of Bible knowledge just because he was the son of God. We're told he grew up naturally, but yet Mary and Joseph were deeply spiritual people themselves. We know that. We know they're committed to the law and its regulations for a young boy. And the most biblical connection we can make is that they taught him the scriptures. And maybe in his own wisdom, he made connections better than someone else might have, but clearly he had learned he learned to the degree that he could impart his learning. He knew the most important book. He knew the most important book. Many times children grow up knowing the sciences, or they know English, and they know history, they know sports, they know health, they know this, everything they're taught in school, which is very important. But getting through the books of the Bible is extremely difficult because they're just not that familiar. But yet Jesus was. He knew Scripture to the degree that he amazed the teachers with what he knows. He chose where to be in his wisdom. Again, we're talking about his mental growth. He had committed himself to learning what he knew his heavenly Father wanted him to know. And then he chose where he wanted to be. In verse 46 and 48, when uh, Jesus' mother and father found him, they didn't find him 
pitching quarters behind the temple, seeing who could win a quarter. They didn't find him playing card games. You know what that is, don't you? <laughs> uh, they didn't find that he ran away. He was right in the temple. Sitting down, learning, asking questions. Listening to adults. Don't underestimate that for a teenager. It says in verse 46, he was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. A lot of times when I'm teaching at school, students like to put one earbud in, connect to their laptop, take notes from what they're seeing on the PowerPoint screen. They'll kind of listen to me, but they also want to listen to their music. I never get their full attention. But I do make them write a lot of notes, and they do what they're supposed to, but they really rather listen to other things. Sometimes they'll ask questions. Every once in a while, a child raise their, or a student will ask their, raise their hand and ask, Mr. Mulligan? And I thought, oh, they got a question about the Civil War here. Or maybe they've got a question about World War II and the attack upon Pearl Harbor. And I'll say, yes, what, what do you want to know? Can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> uh, those are the questions I get. Uh, so here, when it, we're told that Jesus was listening to adults, he was asking questions about the law, this is an amazing degree of depth on his part. Not that he's some kind of know-it-all sitting there. We've all been around those. No, thank you. Uh, we'd also want, we don't want someone that's arrogant with their knowledge or they know too much for their own good. But he's someone who's deeply interested in what his father's plan is for his life. Remember, his obituary was written before he's ever born. Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. The suffering servant. He knows where his life is going, but he still wants to learn. He's not running from his destiny. He's running towards it. And going to the people that know the Scriptures, that know what life is all about, and being in that place is where he wanted to be. Now, I don't understand why he didn't tell mom and dad about that. That's a great mystery of Scripture. Why didn't he just tell them, I would like to stay longer and go to the temple, but he just went back, and he was there. He chose a good place to be found. Most teenagers, when they're found, are not found in this kind of place. They're caught in a place where they shouldn't be. But he's found here listening to adults, questioning them. Then we're told after this incident, it says he went down to Nazareth, verse 51, with them and was obedient to them. He never said, hey, I've arrived marrying Joseph. I don't need you anymore. I would like to be on my own at 13. Here in his wisdom and his mental growth, he still subjects himself to his parents' authority over him. And that's a mark of maturity. Because you rather listen to yourself or do you rather do what your friends want you to do, or what you see people on YouTube, maybe some influencer is telling you it's important in life, but just still listen to your parents. You want to know that you've matured. Look at the ones who still listen to their parents. Because that takes a lot of discipline. Not all teenagers do that. But Jesus is doing that here. He's increasing in mental growth. So we see he grew up. He's growing mentally. Here's a third area. It's spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. Verse 52 again. Let's go back. This is our keystone text. Um, as Jesus grew up, there's physical. He increased in wisdom. There's mental. And three, in favor with whom? 
in favor with God. So here he's growing this balanced life in the area of God's approval upon him. Look at what he said to his mother when his mother challenged him about why you didn't uh, tell us or why, why are you here rather than with us or family or friends. He says, verse 49, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house or it could be translated about my father's business. He grasped the meaning of life. And we don't read anywhere that God just told him, here's what your meaning is. He had read in Scripture. Mary had already been told that her heart would be broken one day. He knew his destiny, but he's embracing it. Instead of saying, this is not for me, I don't want to be a church person, I don't want to be a Christian, I don't want... He is instead running towards his destiny instead of away from it. He's wanting to understand the depth of what his father is going to eventually do with his life to save all mankind. And even to his own mother, he says, did you not know I had to be in my father's house? With many teenagers, they don't grasp the next five minutes. They want to know when lunch is coming. They want to know when they can get out of class and do what they want to do. But to grasp the meaning of life at age 12 as a teenager is a phenomenal step. Now, granted, not all teenagers will give their lives for the rest of the world. But, but when you understand that you're here as a servant of God, and when you understand, Audrey, that, hey, I'm a, I'm a daughter of the king, and that that's who I am, and that's my identity, you are way ahead. And that's spiritual growth. Audrey decided to be baptized not too long ago. That was a major step. Not a show-off step, but a major step of understanding what her life is all about. I will give my life to God now and serve Him in these critical years of my life. That is spiritual growth. That is what we see Jesus doing. He was advanced in this area, everyone, advanced in this area of growth. Everyone who heard Him was amazed at His understanding and His answers. Again, he wasn't this person getting 110% on every test, but he's someone that got it. He understood that I'm here to be obedient to my father. And being obedient to his father now helped him to be obedient to his father in the Garden of Gethsemane when the temptation was the greatest not to be. Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. He learned that early in life. When young people learn that early in life, that I serve my heavenly Father first, everything just kind of lines up. That doesn't mean life is trouble-free. That doesn't mean people go against their Father's will. But it helps line things up, and it keeps you always in track where you come back to things that you might stray from. Because you know where to come back, and you know who to come back to. Jesus here has it set as far as what his life's all about, as far as his relationship with the Father. He understands his mission. Did you not know I had to be in my Father's house? And our mission is to serve God faithfully in this life, in this pilgrimage, as Scripture calls it, and be ready for the day that God will take us home. For a young person to understand this now is critical, because the turbulent 20s are coming. And the arrogant 30s will eventually be there. And the set-in-my-ways 40s and 50s will come. 
and then the 60s, 70s, 80s where I probably won't change anything. Come, So you want to make sure in the early part you're going the right way. So major decisions aren't really hard later in life. That's spiritual growth. Finally, there's social growth. Verse 52 again. And as Jesus grew up, there's physical, he increased in wisdom, there's mental, and in favor with God, there's spiritual, and then it says, and who else? People. This is Luke's commentary on Jesus, age 12 to 29. He grows in these four areas. Let's look at the social area. He grew in favor with people. What we see here in this text is he interacted respectfully with adults. Not only does he want to go back to the temple to be around them, it says he is sitting among the teachers, verse 46. Do you catch that? He didn't say, hey, I'm, I'm the son of God here. I know more than you guys already know. And let me stand and tell you something. We don't see that. He is sitting among them. He's listening to them first, asking them questions. He's wanting to interact with adults. Not that he thinks he's too good for his peers. That's not what Luke is telling us. There's some teens that don't want to be around their peers, believe it or not, because they think they're adults already. They're a little challenging. I love them to death. But teenagers need to be with other teenagers. But here he's comfortable also interacting respectfully with adults and understanding his proper place. He's choosing to be around people. We live increasingly in a culture where people don't want to be around other people. Part of that is a problem with our phones and having a computer within our very hand that's very entertaining. COVID didn't help. This idea that you can just be shut in, and that's a good thing. We're living with the consequences, and the bill is just now being paid for those decisions a couple years ago. And we don't know yet how expensive it will be, the idea that we can isolate from other people for a year and tell students they can't come to school and things like that. The price is now being paid for that. But a lot of people have learned, that I don't want to be around other people. I want to just interact through this electronic device and, and other people make me uncomfortable. I don't know what to say. But we don't find that with Jesus here. The one who knows the most is the one simply allowing himself to be in this social situation where he's fitting in, even as a 12-year-old, as he ought. He made people want to be around him. Again, verse 47, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. They didn't kick him out of the temple. They said, you belong here, you're just a know-it-all. They enjoyed being around Jesus. And he enjoyed being around them. And you see that as he does go into his full-time ministry at age 30. People are seeking out Jesus. They'll climb into a tree like Zacchaeus just to see him. They'll bust through a roof just try to get down to be around him. A whole group will follow him to a mountainside to listen to him. Or join him in a boat. People want to be around him. He made people comfortable. Jesus never entered into some monastery way up on the hill and said, well, you can come see me if you have a question, and I'll tell you the answer, and then get out of here. 
you don't see that with Jesus. You see him constantly wanting to be around the people that he created and that he loves and that they want to be around him. Whether they were a teacher of the law or someone that had the worst of reputations, they all felt comfortable with Jesus. But we see that starting early in life. That as a teenager, that he is looking to be around people because he cares about them. And he knows his heavenly father does. These are examples of his social growth. He's growing in this balanced way. And I want to end with just five quick thoughts and we're done. Five applications uh, about Jesus' growth that we can take, whether we're a young person or someone that interacts with them. First of all, if you are a young person, grow up in a balanced way. Don't let your life be tilted all in one direction where it's all about this, <laughs> all about getting straight A pluses, <laughs> or it's all about sports, or it's all about... Online games, don't, don't let your life be defined by just one thing. Let all these areas go. You're going to grow naturally, to grow socially as well, grow spiritually, grow in wisdom. Some areas might be higher than others at times, but make sure all are growing and not just one area. Keep first things first. Remember the first and second greatest commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all your mind and then love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God and loving other people is the most important thing. You'll have, but there are a lot of competitors for that love. A lot of competitors that want the throne that only God belongs on in your life. Make sure he stays there. Make God's priorities your first priorities. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will come to you. Amen. That's the challenge as a young person. God is my priority. Everything else is second. Engage the world around you. God does not need hermits. He doesn't want to put anyone in a monastery. He wants you to be the light of the world. Christian young people are desperately needed in the public schools. Amen. It's a rough place. But if they go, I can't imagine what it's going to look like. Actually, I can. It scares me to death. The world needs kids that understand what life is all about, but do so humbly. And live every day knowing where life is going. That's the blessedness of the Christian life. There's not a moment that you live where you know you're not loved by your Heavenly Father. You know always that you're loved. And secondly, as a child of God, you know what your life is about every moment. Every moment you live, every morning when you wake up, you wake up knowing what your life is about, that you're one step closer to being with God forever. That He will be with you every moment that day. And you go to bed at night with that powerful thought as well. It's a blessed assurance you have as a child of God. You are richly and deeply blessed having these things. That's why Jesus could carry himself the way he did. He knew what his life was about. Next week, or in two weeks I believe it is, we're going to look at what these four areas look like in the spiritual realm. Physically, 
mentally, socially, and spiritually. What it looks like if someone matures in the Lord and takes on the character that God wants them to take on. We'll look at this from a different angle and a different perspective and make application. But hopefully this is helpful today. Again, embrace younger people. Try to be around them. Not only are they the future, they are the now. You have something to give. Help them in these four areas, and God will be pleased.